Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Naja E. Brown, your host, and we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry, and our hope and prayer for our listening audience all over the world is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. And we welcome your comments anytime. You can reach us through our website at Yield to the King Ministry.org. Well, welcome to Justification by Faith. And this is a, a, a very uh, wonderful topic. Um, and we have a guest in the studio. It's uh, Dr. Michael Lay. And he's going to explore what it means to be justified by, by faith. He is a retired King County Department Corrections uh, officer. He served for 35-plus years. He's a very well-known teacher at the Bishop A.L. Hardy Academy of Theology, and he's also the founder and president of New Beginnings Bible Ministries. And within our local Christian community, Dr. Lay is recognized as the epitome of a servant leader. And so with that, we welcome Dr. Lay, who is going to take us through his presentation on justification by faith. Dr. Lay, I'm going to turn it over to you, and welcome. Okay, thank you, uh, Deaconess uh, Brown, Director Brown. (laughs) We thank you for your introduction and your your words and, and so on. Uh, I'm going to explore today a little bit uh, justification by faith, and uh, we're going to uh, explore with that uh, the, uh, the the scriptures that are relevant to justification by faith, where we have our basis for for being justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. It, uh, the scripture reference that I'm going to use first, and is our key. Uh, scripture for this for this lesson on today is Romans 4 verse 3 and it, it reads from the King James Version for what saith the scriptures Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness now chapter or excuse me let me back up a little bit Romans is largely considered as a doctrinal book so a doctrinal book would be uh-huh. one that teaches uh, Bible truths or Bible lessons in the majority of its teaching. And so the the word doctrine, so that nobody is blown away by that word, simply means uh, instruction. And and so the, uh, something that's a doctrinal book is is uh, in terms of the Bible is a Bible teaching book. So that's what. Uh, Romans is all about the central character in this or excuse me let me back up again in Romans the fourth chapter that's Paul's uh, central chapter which he uh, which he works with in terms of justification by faith and 
And so that 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 is uh, to to explain to the reader justification by faith or teach on justification by faith. And the central Bible character that he uses is Abraham. Abraham believed God and was counted unto him for righteousness, that he was justified by his faith and Jesus Christ. And one reason that Abraham wanted, or excuse me, Paul uses uh, Abraham as a central Bible character is probably one reason is to to express to the to the reader of the book that this this uh, doctrine of justification by faith isn't a new one, and also it's one that preceded uh, the law and also circumcision. So we know that it's not uh, a work of, of uh, righteousness that one is doing by way of earning their spot uh, with uh, with God. They're not justified because of the law. They're not justified because they were circumcised. They're not even justified because they they were Jews. So that's that's something that we want to uh, we want to notice that that it's not a new doctrine and it's not it's not one that can be worked uh, out by somebody's works by the things that they do or don't do. Uh, justification by faith. It, when we say that, that's that judicial act by God, uh, which uh, that God justifies those that put their faith in Christ's finished works, that we might say that they are declared not guilty in God's eyesight because of what Christ has done. And you might pick that up if you study Romans 4, 22 through 25. So the justification by faith is through uh, uh, Abraham's uh, belief in Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, well, how could he have a belief in Jesus Christ uh, being so far removed from his actual birth even, or even any prophecies that might go forth or uh, about him, you might, you might think. But, but the, the key, key is, is that he was justified by his faith, thus saith the scriptures. And if we, if key words that we would look up in terms of that particular scripture, Romans 4, verse 3, are believe in righteousness, uh, believe in righteousness. So uh, it, we want to we want to notice by, by analyzing the tr- the text that that Abraham believed God in a certain way in a certain fashion, and that was counted or reckoned unto him for righteousness. So the word believe, if we, if we look that up in our uh, Strong's exhaustive concordance. We would find out that, that from that original Greek uh, word in that particular text that he believed God regarding the destiny of his soul. That he had, we might even conclude that he had a gospel type of belief in Jesus Christ. He had a gospel type of belief. That's what that, that would indicate to us, that he believed God in a certain fashion. And that was counted unto him for righteousness. And that word carries the meaning of equity or possibly character or justification. And, and this is the key part I want you to get is standing just before God, that he's a, that a person is in right relationship with God because of their belief in Jesus Christ. Again, you might wonder why that could be so. So we, we have to 
we have to go back and explore the scriptures to to understand why Paul would say about Abraham that he was justified uh, by his faith, that he was justified by his faith. What saith the scriptures? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So we. So what scriptures is he talking about when he says that? What scriptures is he talking about? One, he's talk, He's 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 specifically pointing back to Genesis the fifteenth chapter, verses one through six. But before we get there, we need to explore some other scriptures that are relevant to this situation. One is Genesis 3.15, and this is, uh, uh, this is a situation where God is pronouncing judgment on Adam and Eve in the garden, and it's, uh, it's implied in that judgment that uh, there's going to come a Savior through the seed of the woman which will defeat Satan's power. And when... Uh, when you understand that scripture and what God's saying to Adam and Eve, you understand that there's, there's hope for the future, that sin doesn't have to have dominion over you, that there's a way out of the sin situation, and that way out is believing in a Savior to come. In the Old Testament, uh, we had the, the, the saints had to believe in a Savior to come. In the New Testament, uh, we believe on a Savior that has come. In Genesis, uh, the third chapter, still further, we notice that, that God talks to Adam and Eve in the garden, and he, he, he comes to them in the garden in the, uh, and calls to Adam, and Adam responds to him. And, and uh, God, I think, paraphrasing, asks him where he is. And Adam and Eve, uh, or Adam, excuse me, responds to God, indicating he was afraid, he was naked, and he hid himself uh, from God. So this is, this is important for us to notice is what happened in the garden, is that this points towards this particular situation, and what Adam said points towards his, his guilt and shame. And you can't have guilt and shame without sin. So then... Uh, uh, so that points towards his sinful situation. That's why he was afraid of God. That's why he hid himself from God as though he could hide himself from God. And that's why it says in the seventh verse of that section of scriptures that they sowed fig leaves to cover their nakedness. They were trying to, let me say it this way, they were trying to cover their sin because their their awareness of their nakedness and guilt and shame that's associated with that points towards their sin. So God, in the uh, third chapter still, he demonstrates to them in, in verse 21 what they can do to, uh, to cover, and I'm going to slip this word in there, atone for their skin, for their, excuse me, for their sin. They, they, he, God demonstrates to them, uh, that he he covers their nakedness with animal skins, and that points towards the fact that there was a a blood sacrifice, and so that the uh, the animals had to die in order for uh, the skins to be taken from them to cover their nakedness, which points towards their sin. 
Hebrews 9.22 indicates to us, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for, for sin. So, some, so, so there has to be some blood shedding for, the, for there to be uh, atonement for sin. I think I want to say at this point too is that that so they have a basis they have a basis uh, a hope for the future in a way uh, which was in three fifteen in three twenty one we have a way that you can demonstrate uh, faith in a savior to come is through a blood sacrifice through the shedding of blood and this is what this is what God does in the garden when he does. Uh, does what he when he slays those animal skins he's demonstrating to Adam and Eve once again the way that they can show faith in a savior to come so in the Old Testament you might wonder how did anybody how was anybody uh, how was anybody saved well they were saved, still saved on the same basis that Jesus Christ is saying today uh, uh, tomorrow and forevermore I believe it goes something like that so they still had to have faith in a Savior to come. Way back in Adam and Eve, they had to have faith in a Savior to come. And that's why why uh, uh, at Cain and Abel, the situation that arose there, that uh, Cain's sacrifice wasn't accepted, but Abel's was, because Abel came with the right sacrifice. He came with the, the proper sacrifice. He came with a blood sacrifice. And uh, Cain, you might say, when they came to church that day in uh, Genesis, the fourth chapter, you, you let me say it this way, he came to church any old kind of way, and he thought God had to accept his way of coming to church. And by not offering the proper sacrifice, he's not acknowledging his need for a Savior, and he's not acknowledging his sinful nature. But Abel is, when he comes with that blood sacrifice, he's indicating uh, a belief in a savior to come, and uh, and he's also he's acknowledging his sin. So in the Old Testament, that uh, individuals had to believe in a savior to come, and the the acceptable way to do that was through blood sacrifice. I, that's where you you have your sacrificial system and and uh, various sacrifices that had to come forth. Uh, the blood sacrifice was the the key uh, sacrifice in the Old Testament uh, law. In Genesis, the, uh, another relevant scripture is to our situation of being justified by our faith is in a situation where in Genesis, the 12th chapter, verses 1 through 3. And in this 12th chapter, uh, verses 1 through 3, we have a threefold promise that's given to Abraham. It, that that he might be uh, that might be viewed as these are all implied promises and these are concerning the land a chosen people and from Abraham's seed would would come a savior so from Abraham's seed is going to come a savior so so we have a uh, just reviewing once again so in the third chapter we have a basis or hope for the future, uh, hope is established and a savior to come. In the third chapter, we have the acceptable means by which you can exhibit faith and a savior to come. That's how you demonstrate your faith and a savior to come is through a blood sacrifice. And then in 
in Genesis, the 12th chapter, this is, this is really important about Abraham because it's called, Abraham was called the friend of God and the father of the faithful, I believe that's correct, is that, that we notice that he comes, that God comes to Abraham in the 15th chapter. And this is where uh, Paul is pointing back to when he uh, says, for what saith the scriptures, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So uh, relevant to the situation, once again, is, is Abraham's belief how he believes and what he believes in. And so uh, in Genesis the 15th chapter, verse 1, the Lord comes to Abraham and indicates to him, uh, first of all, not to be afraid because he is his shield and exceedingly great reward. Now, it doesn't appear, I want you to notice that if you, if you study that, it doesn't appear that Abraham is frightened. It doesn't uh, uh, appear that he's worried about stuff. But but that's how, you know, God is, God will come out and reach out to us uh, before we reach out to him. That we know that, that, uh, that he, that before we were, uh, before we even called on his name, that Christ died for us. Before we reached out to him, he'd already laid down his life for us. So that's that's kind of nature of God, that he reaches out and extends himself, especially for those that he's trying to do great things through, such as Abraham. So if you're having struggles, God's called you to do something. Let me just go on a, a side note here. If you're, if you're uh, God has called you to do some great things and you're, uh, and you're, you know, you're having anxiety about it, and you don't know how it's going to work out, and you're kind of wringing your hands and all this kind of stuff, uh, uh, don't worry. God can make it come to pass as long as you uh, put one step in front of the other in the direction that he sent you in, that it's going to be as he said. Uh, for example, if you're a student and you're going to school and he told you what schools to go to and then he told you what classes to take and uh, how to take them and so on like that, that you don't have to wring your hands and worry about if you're going to get a good grade or you're going to pass the course. Of course you are as long as you obey the Lord and do what he said to do. So I just want to throw that out as God will uh, make it come to pass as long as we obey him and do what he says for us to do. And he'll reach out to us and encourage us along uh, life's highway in order that we might uh, be successful in the endeavors that he's given us to do. So I just want to encourage everyone along those lines that God is going to help it come to pass as long as we cooperate with him and do what he asks us to do. Now he tells, uh, he, he reaches out to Abraham and he lets him know that he, not to be afraid that he's his shield an exceeding great reward. He's he's gonna he's gonna bless him and he's gonna protect him, and so that that is to say he's gonna do all that, and that's before Abraham even comes to him. It, and it, again, it doesn't appear that he's having any issues at this time, but he but he does, and God knows that. God knows our thoughts. He knows our prayers before we pray them. He knows what we need before we think we need them. 
And so that, that's uh, as, it is, and it, as it is today for us and as it was for Abraham. So, so let's see is, uh, let's see, let's move on on this, is that, that God comes to Abraham to alleviate his concerns and to help him uh, move in the direction that, that God has Abraham moving in, that he has a certain direction, a certain call upon his life, and God is, wants to help him move towards that call, move in that direction of faith that he's, uh, had, that he's sent Abraham in. In the verse uh, 2 of that, of the 15th chapter of Genesis, verse 2, we find out then what Abraham's concern is. His concern is that he's going childless. And uh, Abraham, he doesn't have a, a, a book or a theological degree or anything like that. Uh, but I think I want to suggest here that he's not just concerned about being childless. He's not just concerned about the continuation of his uh, uh, family line or his, uh, uh, you know, or his property or anything like that in some uh but somebody's hand that he approves of or that's, uh, that, that he is uh, it's guaranteeing the, being the, uh, the prosperity or the, uh, or the, uh, uh, the extension of his, of his influence. He's concerned about the fact that he goes childless, and, he, and I want to suggest at this point that Abraham's got in his mind that if, if, uh, uh, if I don't have a son of promise, then, uh, you know, what about the eternal destiny of my soul? Now, this is something you need to think about. Why would he say, well, what's the concern about him going childless? The concern isn't about his, about his here and now situation. It's about his there and then or up ahead situation that he's concerned about. That's what Abraham's concerned about. He's not concerned about an heir, uh, the heir of his household or anything like that. Abraham's specific concern is about the son of promise, about uh, as unnamed at this point, Isaac. So he's concerned about uh, an Isaac coming forth from the, uh, as the Bible says, from his own vows, from his own household, that he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to fix it up for God, but that God's got the situation in control and that, that God is going to bless them so that he will have a child. So that's his specific concern is about being childless and the eternal destiny of his soul. What about the destiny of my soul if, I, if there's no Isaac? If there's no Isaac, there's certainly not going to be no Jesus. So we want to, want to get that out there. I want you to know that he's, he's more concerned about the future than the immediate uh, you know, extension of his family. In Genesis 15:4, God, I believe it's Genesis 15:4 that God takes him out. No, excuse me. In 15:4, He reassures him that the child is going to come from His own bowels. It's not going to. He doesn't have to fix it up and 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 have it passed on to the steward of his household, and that he might uh, extend his. Uh, his family line. He, he doesn't have to do it like that. But but God has a specific plan that 
includes Abraham and includes Sarah, and that they are going to have a son, and that son's name is going to be Isaac. And the, the, in, 15, in the 15th chapter, verse 5, God takes Abraham out to look at the nighttime sky. This is by way of trying to communicate to Abraham that he is going to have a son, and, and that son is ultimately going to lead to a savior that's going to come uh, from his descendants. And so he takes him out, and he and he takes him out, and he has him to look at the nighttime sky, and and uh, he 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 has him to to look at the various parts of that. You know, just let me say it like this: he has him to look at this section and that section and another section. Uh, I'm just kind of fixing it up a little bit, and he wonders if he he uh, asks Abraham if he can count the stars in the sky. Can you can you count the the number of stars, and I'm paraphrasing this, uh, that are in the sky. And Abraham, you know, he can't count the, the number of stars in the sky. The number is, is beyond, uh, you know, which he can uh, comprehend, which he can count. Because if you, if you recall, when you go someplace where it's all dark and away from the city lights and the way away from the residential lights and you're out there in the country and, and it seems like the, the, there wasn't so many stars before, but once you get out there, there's like, seems like there's a, a million stars and, and certainly there is more than that, but there's certainly a, a number beyond which we can count. And so it was with Abraham. He couldn't count that. And so, uh, uh, and then God told Abraham, uh, soul shall thy seed be. Soul shall thy seed be, and that and that uh, uh, meant something to Abraham because it it said after that in the sixth chapter, sixth verse of that fifteenth chapter that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now he didn't believe God regarding stargazing. He didn't believe God about uh, you know that there's going to be a, a son. That wasn't the specific concern. That he had, he had a he had a long uh, a telescopic, if you let me say, kind of look up into the future, and he and he knows that 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 there has to be a savior that's got to come from his descendants, because God's already told him that in Genesis the 12th chapter verse verse uh, three, I believe it was, that that he that he's going to have a son of promise. And from that son of promise is going to come a savior. And Abraham believed God. And the way and the manner that it's said by Paul that he believed God, he had a gospel kind of belief in God. And his gospel kind of belief in God, it had to do with the destiny of his soul. And that was that he he had to put his faith in Jesus Christ in the future, that there's, there's going to come a savior through my descendants, and he, you know, he's going to do uh, what needs to be done to uh, atone for the for the sins of the world, and specifically for my sins. That's that's what uh, Abraham he believes God in that fashion. Uh, he has a gospel kind of belief, and, and if you don't believe me, look it up. Look up the word believe, and see see what you think. 
and was counted unto him for righteousness. The, the word righteousness, once again, it, you might think of it in this fashion, being in right relationship. That, he's, that the only way that anybody can get in right relationship with God is through uh, belief in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the only way. There's no other way. There's no other way. And the only way that we can be justified, stand right before God, is through our belief in Jesus Christ, who takes uh, the penalty, in a sense, of our sins upon himself, in a sense. And he atones for those sins. He, he pays the full price that needs to be paid. He, 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 he died so that we could all could have life and have it more abundantly. And he, and, and he died not only for you as a Christian and me as a Christian, but he, but he died for the worst saint that you, I mean, the worst ain't that you know. The worst person that you know, he died for him too, or he died for her also. He died for all that the, we all might have an opportunity to spend eternity with him, that through our, our belief in Jesus Christ that we would, uh, that we would be redeemed, we would be uh, bought back, brought back from sin, and we could put we could put on a new nature, uh, a, a Christian nature, a saint-like nature, a righteousness that is only made possible through Jesus Christ. So I'm going to stop there, and I'm going to give it back into the hands of our uh, of our narrator for our host for today. <laughs> Dr. Lay, Dr. Lay, Dr. Lay, <laughs> you unpacked that topic, and I want to say that it was absolutely wonderful. But I'm going to ask you, I know you're returning on the 24th of March, I mean, excuse me, August, so I'm not sure what your topic is going to be, but if you want to continue this <laughs> this dialogue, you're absolutely welcome. But whatever you have for us, we will receive so let me just share my takeaway is I, I, you unpacked it. You, you covered so many excellent points and, and, and doctrinal issues and doctrinal teaching. You were in Genesis, you were in Romans, but my takeaway is when we accept the person and work of Jesus Christ, it's his righteousness that's imputed upon believers based on our faith and belief in him. And that our justification is by faith alone and it's apart from good deeds and there's so many people out there who believe that they can work their way to earn uh, good favor with God and they can uh, get their their they're in relationship with God based on their own merit and so that is just not the way it is and so this was uh, good food for thought excellent food for thought so what would your parting words be for our listening audience? And then we'll go ahead and sign off. And then we all have to, uh, August 24th to look forward to to hear from you again. So what would your parting words be to our listening audience, Dr. Lay? One is that uh, we're going to be talking in uh, uh, Romans chapter 5, and our key verse is going to be 1, uh, verse 1 in uh, chapter 5, which therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our, our Lord Jesus Christ. So that'll be our that'll be our text verse, and uh, we'll be working with that on next time. And uh, I think I wanted to impart uh, some of these uh, truths onto us because sometimes we don't know 
we don't know how folks. One is how were how were folks saved in the Old Testament, and that so that's one thing that that I wanted to to bring out that people are saved the, the same way in the Old Testament as we are in the in the New, and that's through 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 our faith or their faith in Jesus Christ. They had to they had to um. believe on a Savior that was coming, not one that had um. been there. And we have we uh-huh. have the luxury of having a, a historical record, whether you believe in God or not. There was a Savior that came and hung, bled, and dried on a cruel and wicked cross. So I wanted to just share with the readers, I mean not the readers, but the listeners, that the, some of those uh, bases for justification by faith. It's, it comes from the Old Testament into the New, and exactly the points that you made was, uh, folks uh, feel like they can work their way into heaven, even after they got saved. They still, they still, they're not doing things because it's a byproduct of their faith. They're doing things because they're afraid. Uh, they're afraid that that Christ didn't do enough, and that they need to do some more to get to mm-hmm. heaven. So we just, we just mm-hmm. have to, we just have to do what God has said and obey Him, and He's going to make a way for us that we might spend eternity with Him. So God bless you, and mm-hmm. you know the lesson for next next time. And so we can I'll yes. put it back on to, into your hands at that. <laughs> okay, out, outstanding, outstanding. So yes, we'll develop the promotional material or appetize it in advance so people can read. And uh, prior to the broadcast, Romans chapter five, verse one, they might want to read the whole chapter of Romans, the whole fifth chapter. Yes. I don't know, but uh, that would that would be a good uh, precursor to your presentation. So with that. Gosh, I just want to say thank you, Dr. Lay. We look forward to hearing from you again on August 24th. And to our listening audience, may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. God bless you.